Pastor John Cannon and the Congregation of Victory Church welcome you to this message from the Word of God. It is our heartfelt desire to see you grow closer to the Lord and to help you become all that He has created you to be. Our prayer is that through this ministry you would come to know Him in a greater way and that these teachings from Scripture would better equip you to fulfill His plan in your life. Now, let's join Pastor John as we study the Word together. Hope you're ready to get into the Word, and so take your Bibles, your PDA, that's an old term, huh? Your iPad, your iPhone, whatever device it is you carry a copy of God's Word in, take that out. Turn to Jude, Jude 3. We are forever getting through Jude 3, and uh, there's so much content in here, and uh, tonight I want to just speak just on one phrase where he tells us to contend for the faith. But get, turn there, if you will, in Jude 3. It says, Dear friends, although I was eager to write to you about the salvation we share, I found it necessary to write and exhort. Now, what do we know about that word exhort? You remember what I was teaching you about that word exhort? What is it? It's a uh, military term, right? It's the word picture of a general standing before his troops and giving them their marching orders and their directions. A very strong word. Um, he's not asking for permission, nor is he doing a census of the troops and seeing what the majority may say. He's telling them what they need to do. That's the same verbiage or word picture that we find here in this word. He said, I exhort you to do what? And this, this is the command to contend for the faith. That was delivered to who? Who was it delivered to? Come on, guys. Are you in, are you in the word? Talk, talk to me. To the saints. It was delivered to the saints once for all. And then he talks in verse 4. For some men who were designated for this judgment long ago have come in by stealth. They are ungodly, turning the grace of our God into promiscuity and denying Jesus Christ our only Master and Lord. I want to go back in Jude 3, the latter part of it, and just, uh, just expound a little bit and carry some thought, run some references, just on the phrase, contending for the faith. Uh, but before I do that, let's go to the Lord in prayer together. And let's just pray that God opens up our heart to the Word tonight. Father, Lord, we need You, and Your Word says that Your Word is spiritually discerned. God, the only way that we can comprehend the Word of God is when the Holy Spirit illuminates our mind and gives us understanding of your Word. And, and Father, we're going to look at a lot of different verses tonight. We're going to flip through the Bible and we're going to look at different passages. And, and I just pray, God, that you help us, Lord, to, to glean from your Word this evening and encourage our hearts and, and um, speak to us, give us direction in our own personal lives and even as a church as we try to be faithful to your word. Uh, we ask your blessings on the reading, the preaching, the teaching of the word of God this evening. In Jesus' name we pray. All God's people said, amen. I want to talk to you just simply on contending for the faith, but really before I dig down too much further into that phrase, I just want to say this, and I think I have it on a slide for you. 
earnestly contending for the faith, get this, is not evangelism. Okay? Now, when he tells us that we are to contend for the faith, I want you to understand that's not telling us to go out and be evangelistic. Okay? Because the problem, if you remember, with Jude's writing, with Peter's writing, the problem is not without the church, on the outside of the church. The problem is on what? The inside of the church. Preaching another gospel, preaching false doctrine, turning from the faith, turning from the true word of God, committing apostasy, turning back from the faith. It's a willful rejection of the gospel of Jesus Christ and the word of God. So I want you to understand this. This, this, this I think is crucial. And sometimes we think, boy, we got to get out there and contend for the faith, so let's tell our lost loved ones about Jesus. That's not what he's talking about here. Now, do we need to tell our lost loved ones about Jesus? Of course we do, okay? And there's numerous passages of Scripture that gives us that command. However, this is not what that's talking about. So I thought as a springboard for just launching into this, I thought it would be good to kind of lay that premise out, that we understand that contending for the faith is not evangelism. Matter of fact, I wrote in my notes that earnestly contending for the faith is trying to keep the saints away from the pack of dogs and out of the hog pen. Hello? That's some scripture terminology there. Trying to keep the saints of God out of the hog pen of bad theology, trying to keep them from running with a pack of dogs that's preaching another gospel, that's flying under the banner of Christianity, may even have a Bible on the pulpit, but they are not proclaiming the Word of God, contending for the faith, listen to me church, is, is addressing the saints of God and heightening the awareness that they may be involved in those that are preaching another gospel or another Word of God. So, so really, contending for the faith... In, in, this, in this realm, in this perspective, in this paradigm, it's not real popular. Hello? I mean, really, really contending for the faith and exposing false teaching and heresy and false doctrine really is not very popular. So I just want to kind of start out tonight by just reminding us or reiterating us or maybe explaining to you for the very first time that contending for the faith is it's it's not really although i can see there's an extension of it it's not really apologetics going out to a lost world and defending the bible as the bible that's really not the word picture here that jude is trying to get us to see okay he's talking about trouble that's already creeped into the church He's talking about those, and that's what he says in verse number 4, for some men who were designated for this judgment long ago have come in by stealth, and they are ungodly, and they're turning the grace of our God into promiscuity. So here, what he's saying is, we got a problem inside the church, okay? So it's not evangelism outside the church. The problem is inside the church. And so I just wanted to kind of start tonight by just letting you know that contending for the faith is not evangelism. So I want to try to share with you 
primarily three thoughts tonight on contending for the faith. And I, I want you to jot these down, and, and I'm going to hit several things under these three thoughts. And I believe I'm going to have the scripture up here, the references that I'm going to go to, so you can jot those down and, and go a little bit further in your personal study. Also, if you use the uh, Logos Bible software system and you follow the slideshow, you just push on it. And man, I enjoyed that the other night. I was sitting here, and uh, Florentine was, was preaching last Wednesday night, and, and I was able to. Uh, was it Florentine? Yeah, Florentine was preaching. We had his scripture up there, and I was able to just push on my eyes iPad and follow along in scripture and that's pretty neat so I don't know if you're taking advantage of that or not but it's there for you and I thought it was pretty neat that I could just get there with just pushing it uh, really quick so I've got the references there and I want to encourage you to follow along so let me give you three thoughts tonight for earnestly contending for the faith that Jude is wanting us to do as believers as Christians before we really start going further and and totally expounding uh, the word of God and the rest of this epistle number one I want you to jot this down let's look at the reason to contend now here he's telling us he's exhorting us to contend for the faith that was once delivered to the saints once and for all what is the reason why should we do this Well, I think there are several reasons and several I want to start sharing with you. Number one is the reason we should contend for the faith is because, number one, Jude says we should. All right? It's part of the inspired, infallible, inerrant Word of God. It's part of the canon of Scripture. So all I need is one verse of Scripture that says to do it, and that's enough for me. Okay? So that should be enough already that he tells us to do it. But I think there's other reasons. Why should we contend for the faith? Because we see the Apostle Paul did that. Man, the Apostle Paul was always exposing false doctrine as he was going through and establishing the churches and preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. And then when he would come back through to encourage the churches, he would see that coming right behind him were the Judaizers that would come in and they would either add to or take away from the gospel that he was preaching. And he was always exploiting their errors in the preaching and teaching. The book of Galatians, man, that that whole book is, is Paul contending for the faith. And I'm not going to go there and, and share with you that, but, but that's enough reason. I mean, we see that Jude told us we should. We see that Paul did it in the book of Galatians and, and many other passages. But one place I want you to turn is to the book of uh, Philippians. Turn there, if you will, please. In Philippians chapter number 1. I want you to look at this passage of Scripture. In Philippians chapter 1, in verse 7, we're going to read down through verse 11. But really what I want you to see is the last part of verse 7. And we'll kind of pick up right in the middle there of verse 7. Philippians chapter 1 and verse number 7. Paul says this. He said, said, you are all partners with me in grace. Okay? Now, Now Paul is writing to the believers, to the Christ followers, to the Christians at the church, churches, house churches of Philippi. Okay? Now he's writing to them and he tells them, hey guys... You've got skin in this game too, okay? We're all in this together, all right? You're part of my team. We're following Christ. We're all in this thing together. He says, you're all partners with me in grace, both in my imprisonment, and get this, and in what? And in the defense and the establishment of the gospel. Now here Paul is telling the believers at Philippi, you're in this thing with me, to help me defend the gospel and establish the gospel, the church of Jesus Christ, okay? So we're all in this together. Now, that's enough for me to say, why should we contend? Well, Jude said we should. Paul said we're in this thing together. He wrote to the book of Galatians, and and he certainly led by example of contending 
for the faith. But I like what else he says here in verse number 9. This may be getting off track a little bit, but it was so good in my studies, I just couldn't get away from it. I want you to look what Paul prayed for. Look in verse number 9. I, and this, this is the sidebar, and I just hope it encourages you because it really encouraged me when I was reading this and studying this or last week and then again earlier this week and then again today. In verse number 9, he says this. He said, I pray this. You ever wonder what Paul prayed as he was praying for the believers at Philippi? And I believe if he was alive today, he'd be praying this for us today at Victory Church. And look what he says. He says, I pray this, that you will, get this, that your love will keep growing. I pray that your love will keep growing in knowledge and in every kind of discernment. Paul's saying, I'm praying that you'll grow in knowledge and that you'll grow in the spirit of discernment. Why? So we can help defend and establish the gospel of Jesus Christ within the church that we serve and live, right? That's what he's praying for. He said, I'm praying, get this, my prayer is this, that your love will keep on growing in knowledge and in every kind of discernment. Let me ask you, do you have a love for the knowledge of the Word of God? Man, every single one of us should. I mean, we should be in the Word of God every single day. Why? Because we just love it. Right? Hello? Are you with me? Say amen or oh me, but let me know you're out there, right? You know, you know what? I love my wife. And man, I want to talk to her every day. And I know she loves me because I get text messages all the time from her and phone calls from her. Why? Because she loves me and I love her and we want to communicate. You know what? If we really if we really love God, if we really love the Lord, there will be this hunger in us for the Word of God that we just want to get there and, and just park a while and just glean from the Scriptures and, and just meditate in the Word. Don't you always feel refreshed after getting into a, just a short... It can be just a very short devotion. Now, I'm not talking into a, getting into a three- and four-hour Bible study. I'm talking about just getting into the Word, gleaning a little bit from the Word, getting what I call a little golden nugget, sticking it in your pocket, hiding it away, and just thanking God for the little bit of, of, of truth that He gave you from His Word today. Man, isn't that refreshing? And, and Paul is saying this. He said, I, I pray this, that your love will keep growing. And man, I prayed that for our church today. I prayed that for our church that our love would keep growing for the knowledge and the discernment of the Word of God. Now, we got a lot of good things happening around here. But one thing that I want Victory Church to be known for is a body of believers that love the Word of God. They love and they want to increase in the knowledge of the Word of God and discernment of false doctrine and heretics that are out and about within the realm of Christianity that we are true to the Word of God. I want us to love the Bible. I want us to esteem the Word of God. I want us to elevate it to a, to a plateau higher than anything else in our life or our ministry. Right? I hope you're with me here. Right? We love, Paul said, I pray this, that your love will keep on growing in knowledge and every kind of discernment. Why? So that you can approve the things that are superior and that you can be pure and blameless in the day of Christ. 
filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Paul's saying these are some of the results. And by the way, you can go in Galatians 5, you can read about the fruit of the Spirit. You can go in Corinthians and read some about it as well. But here he's saying, I want you to be, listen, I want you to be superior and pure and blameless in the day of Christ. I want you to be filled with the fruit of righteousness. How do we get filled with the fruit of righteousness? By having a love and a desire for the Word of God. Right? And we're increasing in knowledge of the Word of God. We've got a hunger for the Word of God. And I just wanted to share that with you. You know, the only way that, the only way we can be true to the command that Jude gave us to, I mean, he exhorted us to contend for the faith. The only way we can do that is if we have a genuine, sincere love for the truth of the Word of God. Okay? All right? I thought that was pretty good. I just want to share that with you. So anyhow, Paul, there's another reason why we should contend for the faith. Now let's look at another passage of Scripture. Turn in your Bibles, if you will, to 1 Timothy. I believe I got it on the screen for you there. 1 Timothy chapter 6. I want you to look here in 1 Timothy chapter 6 and, and verse number 12. Look what he says. He says, fight the good fight for the faith. Lay hold of eternal life that you were called to and have made a good confession about in the presence of many witnesses. Now this is Paul writing to young Timothy. Timothy's a young preacher boy and he's encouraging him in the word. And he tells him to fight the good fight of faith. And then you can go over to 2 Timothy you can read where Paul said, I have finished my course, I have ran the race, I have fought the good fight. And he finished it and he fought it well. That's really the same word picture that we get from the military command that Jude is giving us in verse number 3 when he says, I exhort you. He didn't, he didn't say, I'm, I'm asking you to. He, he didn't say, go out and pull the people and see if they would like for you to. He said, I'm telling you guys, you've got to defend and stand for and contend for the faith of the word of God. So why should we contend? Well, Paul did. Scripture teaches us that we should contend for the faith. I believe there's another reason, not only because of the example that Paul set for us and the command that Jude gave to us, but I think another reason we need to contend for the faith is because there is... A doctrine that is found in the Word of God that sometimes people don't want to pay any attention to. And it's the doctrine of apostasy. Guys, do you realize that there can be apostates in the church? Do you realize that apostasy exists? Okay? Do you understand that? Let me ask you this. Do you know what an apostate is? I've got a definition for you. An apostate is a person who renounces a religious or political belief or set of principles. And they just violate them. Just, you know what? I no longer believe that. I walk away from that. An apostate is one that says, I did adhere to this principle to these biblical beliefs, but for whatever reason, I no longer stand there 
I walk away from that and, and will justify it a thousand different ways. But we turn from it. Man, I don't know about you. I've been doing this church thing for a long time. I, I've been ordained a pastor for over 25 years. Okay? I've been preaching a whole lot for a long time. I've seen people be on fire for the Word of God. I've seen people take stands on God's Word. And then through a series of events and experiences, maybe even some heartache and some pain and some hurts and some trials, some valleys they walk through, for whatever reason, they're not as strong in the Word today than they were yesterday. Now the question is, have they committed apostasy? Well, I don't think so. Not yet. But they're on the path to commit an apostasy. Hello? And by the way, you may be asking, man, have I committed apostasy? The fact that you're even here tonight with a Bible in your hand is evidence that you have not committed apostasy. Okay? Because once you commit apostasy... God will turn you over to a reprobate mind. You will have no desires whatsoever for the things of God, let alone come to church on Wednesday night. Hello? So the fact that you're even here with a Bible in your hand is a pretty good indication that you have not committed it. All right? However, and I don't know your heart, and I don't know where you are, but some may be on the road. Just not as warm with the scripture as I once was. Maybe that one time, I don't know now if I really believe that. I just don't know. And we kind of, isn't it amazing how we can justify things though? In our own heart and in our own mind? Are you guys tracking with me? I mean, we see this all the time. We see this all the time. So an apostate is one who renounces it. Whatever their, their biblical beliefs were, their, their biblical principles that they live by were, whatever, whatever, they just renounce it, they turn away from it, and they walk away, they commit apostasy. Now, do we have any teaching in God's Word on apostates? We really do. And, and I really don't have time to go and unpack all of it. However, I want to draw your attention to two primary passages of Scripture that, that kind of touch the realm of apostasy, if you will. I want you to turn in your Bibles, if you will, and, and I hope you bring your Bibles with you because I think it's important. I just don't want you to come and listen to me. I want you to engage and get into the, into the Word of God with me. But I want you to look with me, if you will, into the book of, of Hebrews. Hebrews chapter number 3. Let's start in chapter 3, and then we're going to go to Hebrews chapter 6. And, and guys, how are the lights out there? We're, I, I like the lights down for worship, but I kind of want them up. Can you see okay? Everybody can see okay? All right, Hebrews chapter 3. I want you to look in verse number 12. Now, here's a warning from the writer of Hebrews. Now, we really don't know exactly who wrote the book of Hebrews. Some believe and speculate and may think that the Apostle Paul was the author. Uh, we don't really know who the author of the book of Hebrews is other than God himself. God included it in the full canon of Scripture, so it's part of God's Word. Amen. Hebrews chapter 3, 
in verse number 12. Let's look at this. Now here he starts out in verse number 12 with a warning. Watch out. I mean, that's the first word in the verse. Watch out. Watch out who? Watch out, atheists. Watch out, unbelievers. Watch out, you people that that aren't following Christ. No. Who's the warning to? Brothers. Watch out, brethren. Watch out, brothers. Watch out, Christ followers. Watch out, believers in Jesus. Watch out, Christians. Watch out, churchgoers. Watch out, Bible thumpers, whatever label you want to fly under. Watch out, you that are professing Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior. Watch out. Wait a minute. If apostasy didn't even exist, and if there's no possible way that I could become an apostate, why even give me the warning? I mean, I can almost stop right there and say, okay, good enough for me. Let's go back. Continue. But let's drill down a little bit further. Watch out, in verse number 12, brothers, so that there won't be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart that departs from the living God. Now, I don't know about you, but that sure sounds to me, number one, he's already addressing brothers, he's addressing Christians, and he's saying, be on guard that you do not establish or, or create or allow yourself to have a, a unbelieving heart that you will depart from the living God. So if he's given me this warning, if he's given me this heed, then it may just be that I could possibly commit apostasy. Now, I realize this is a huge theological debate. You, you got to understand, by the way, I, I wrote a little bit about this on my blog today, and uh, you can go to johncannon.org, you can pull up seven thoughts on Hebrews chapter 6, I'll, I'll go there in just a moment, that I pinned there, and, and it kind of unpacks in just very briefly my stance on this passage of Scripture, but in that I shared this, listen, I was raised Southern Baptist, okay, I love Southern Baptist, I mean, I got saved in the Southern Baptist church, and I mean, a lot of what I know about church I, I learned from Southern Baptists. I love Southern Baptist. I got a lot of good Southern Baptist friends. I'm not down in that denomination. Uh, Matt, you know, Pastor Mutton up here at First Baptist Church is doing a fantastic job in, in ministering and reaching. Uh, sorry, say Muscoota. Oh, O'Fallon. He's doing a great job. I pray for them often, right? We'll reach people they won't reach. He'll reach people I won't reach. We're on the same team. We're certainly not against each other. I was raised Southern Baptist. I was educated at the Bible college I went to was an independent Baptist. Now, if you don't have good Baptist genes, you don't really understand what's taking place there, and you may not see the wow in that, but there was some wow in that, okay? You go back and you understand that the independent Baptist broke away from the Southern Baptist because they thought the Southern Baptist was too liberal, and, you know, independent Baptists, they think they're on the seventh floor in heaven. They think they're the only ones there. So whenever you get to heaven, St. Peter's going to tell you, Shh, be quiet when we go by the seventh floor. That's the independent Baptists. They think they're the only ones here. Okay? I love my independent Baptist brethren as well. I was educated in their Bible college. However, the circles that I was running in 25 years ago... And I remember we used to go to the prayer shack up in Collicksville, North Carolina, and we'd hike up in there and we'd pray all night long. No power, no electricity up there, just an old cabin. 
one-room cabin, had couches all the way around the wall, and us preacher boys would go up there and stay all night and just pray. And then one of us would get a message on our heart, and we'd go out, and we'd step outside, and we'd go up by a tree, and we'd just preach. I mean, as loud as we could preach, we'd preach on that mountaintop. You know, four, five, six of us up there. Had Southern Baptist preachers, independent Baptist preachers, and me not sure what I'm going to be yet. But I was hanging with them. Okay? The day come, came when I had to decide, okay, what denomination am I going to serve? Who am I going to allow lay hands on me and ordain me as a gospel preacher? Now, my Southern Baptist buddies will say, hey, come to Southern Baptist. Matter of fact, I know two or three churches that are open right now, and, and I could probably get you in there, and we get you ordained, get you through the ordaining council, and you've already got the schooling, the education. Just come on, do this. No, 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 no. And then I had my independent Baptist brother say, saying the same thing, and I'm like, I just don't know. And then I had free will Baptists because I kind of fell for this chick playing the piano. And, and that's kind of where I went on Wednesday. I, I'd go to my Southern Baptist church on Sunday morning, and Sunday nights I'd go to her place and, uh, because I, I just, she, she played the piano so well. <laughs> so anyhow, I had to make a decision. Where am I going to serve? Well, obviously, you see what camp I chose, and I believe it comes down to this doctrine. And by the way, you know what? And this is what I wound up telling my, my friends that are Southern Baptist pastors and my friends that are independent Baptist pastors that are Calvinists, eternal securitists, in their beliefs, in me being Armenian, me believing in the possibility of apostasy. I could not stand in good faith and, say, and, and just say that these, these people were never really saved anyway. I mean, that's kind of the umbrella they fly under or the flag they fly. These, this is hypothetical situations, really people that aren't saved anyway. Well, well, I don't know that I could get that out of the Scripture. So here's where I came to this conclusion. If, if I'm wrong, if we are wrong in what we believe on the doctrine of apostasy, then praise the Lord, we all go to heaven. No foul, no harm, doop, we're all there. I can live with that, right? I, I can live with preaching a warning to believers that are in Christ Jesus telling you as Hebrews 3 told you, told us, told me, watch out lest you, let's read it again, watch out brothers so that you won't, there won't be in any of you an evil unbelieving heart that departs, that departs, say it with me, that departs, look at my neighbor and say, that departs, say it, that what, that departs, really? Is it possible? It's in the scripture. I couldn't get away from that. Pray that you don't have an unbelieving heart. Brothers that are already believing. And Hebrews 6 says you've already once tasted of the heavenly gift. You've been enlightened. I'm going to go there in a moment. But be careful that you don't have an unbelieving, an evil unbelieving heart that departs from the living God. The fact that that was there, I could not stand and proclaim a Calvinistic theology. Now I realize this is going out on a podcast, and I know, I know this is a huge debate among Baptists. I know that. 
And I just want to say to all my Southern Baptist friends and all my Independent Baptist brethren, I really hope you're right. And I really hope I'm wrong. Because if I'm wrong, no harm, no foul, everybody goes to heaven. That's trusting in Jesus as their personal Savior, of course. Okay? There's no chance that you could commit apostasy. If that's what they say and they preach and they, many do. Then, hey, I can live with being wrong here. However, <laughs> and sometimes this may, this may grind on people sometimes, I, but I'm going to say it. However, and this is a, the words that came off my lips that I shared with some of my Calvinist brothers and they're still preaching today and they're still doing wonderful works and, and I still touch base with them periodically and, and I thank God for what they're doing and, and they're praying for me for what I'm doing and, and you know I thank God for that but however if if you can commit apostasy and if you are standing proclaiming that once saved always saved once you've accepted Christ as your Savior, and I've heard, I've heard it preached in Southern Baptist and Independent Baptist revivals and camp meetings, I've heard it proclaimed that once you are a believer in Jesus Christ, you can't break your way to hell. You're going to heaven whether you want to go or not. I've heard that preached. If I am right, if we as Arminian believers are correct in our view on apostates and apostasy, and if they are wrong on this view of eternal security, once saved, always saved, and we find that apostasy is something that is real, then I believe, and this is what I told them, I believe they are preaching the most damned doctrine in all of theology. Because there's a whole bunch of people that are believing that they can never be lost once they've been saved. They can never commit apostasy. They can never turn back. They can never go to hell. And they may just split hell wide open. Now, you've got to figure that out for yourself. But I'm going to show you in Scripture where I think apostasy is there. We've been commanded by Jude to contend for the faith. We've been warned in Hebrews 3, Watch out, brothers, so that there won't be any of you, in any of you, an evil, unbelieving heart that departs from the living God. Now, turn with me over to Hebrews chapter number 6. And here, look what it says. And by the way, the... The whole, the whole writing here of the whole theme of the book of Hebrews is, is revealed in verse number 1 of Hebrews chapter 6. Turn, turn there. I want you to see this. Hebrews chapter 6. It says, Therefore, leaving the elementary message about the Messiah, let us go on to maturity. You see, the whole theme of the book of Hebrews is that they would become spiritually mature. That they would leave the elementary teaching and doctrine of the Word. They would get to the meat of the Word, but they're still kind of hung up in the, in the elementary teachings of the Word of God. Not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works, faith in God. Teaching about ritual washing, washings. And by the way, that's a reference to baptisms. Laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. And we would do this if God permits. I want to get to verse 4. For it is. What's the next word? Impossible, and I'm reading now the Holman. That's that's kind of the default Bible that I preach and teach out of. Just so you know, it's the Holman Christian Standard Bible, the HCSB. It says, 
For it is impossible to renew to repentance. It is what? It is impossible to renew to repentance those who were once enlightened, who tasted the heavenly gift, became companions with the Holy Spirit, tasted God's good word and the power of the coming age, and who have fallen away or abandoned, or rejected, or became an apostate, have fallen away because to their own harm, they are re-crucifying the Son of God and holding Him up to contempt. Now, I don't know about you. I mean, you really start, and I don't have time to unpack this. If you go search on our podcast, I did a whole series of messages in, in Hebrews chapter 6. It took me about three weeks to preach through this. I remember doing it over at Moy School. We were in the gym. All that's on the podcast. I spent three Sunday mornings teaching on apostasy out of Hebrews chapter 6. It's there, okay? You can go study that. But what you find here, my friends, is a believer. Tasted the heavenly gift experience the power of God. Look look what it even says. Companions with the Holy Spirit. Enlightened. Tasted the heavenly gift. Tasted God's word or the good word and the power of the coming age. And they have fallen or abandoned the faith. Now, and I guess I'm going back to really my first point, the reason that we should contend. The reason we should contend is because the apostles did it. Paul contended for the faith. We've been commanded in Jude to contend for the faith. We've been warned in Hebrews to contend for the faith. And then, of course, the second reason why we should contend for the faith is because apostasy does exist. Now, let me say this. For those, listen, I don't lay my head on my pillow at night wondering if I'm saved or if I die tonight, will I go to heaven Listen, I, I am at peace with my God. Hello? I know that 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 I'm saved. And there ain't no doubt. And we have in our Arminian camps those over there that believe in repeated regeneration that you're saved and lost and saved and lost and saved and lost. And I've, I've had people stand up and give testimony. Woo! I just want to stand up and give a testimony and praise God I got saved again. I'm like, no, you did not. <laughs> you know, you didn't. You're confused. No one's taken the word of God and properly taught you about this. But you're not saved again. You're not born again. Can you crawl back up in your mother's womb physically and be born again physically? No. Nor can you do that spiritually. Okay? We are born again into the family of God once. Okay? Now, can we be backslidden? Sure. Can we be away from God and not where we need to be spiritually? Yes. Do we have the ebb and flows in our spiritual life where, we're, man, we're just so close and we just feel like we're on the mountaintop and the world just couldn't get any better and all of a sudden now we're kind of, man, what is going on? I'm in this spiritual battle. I feel so distant, so far from God. And, and maybe we look and we see, oh, man, I got away from God and I've allowed sin in my life and this and that and the other and, and, and I'm backslidden. Now, what I need to do is rededicate and recommit my life to Christ. Can we do that? Sure. Yes. I believe we do that all through our life. Apostasy is when I willfully reject and start turning from the truth of the Word of God. And because I have been a believer 
because I have, I am a Christian, because I am a child of God, God loves me too much not to come after me. Man, he's coming after me. He's convicting me and he's drawing me. And I get to make one of two choices. Either I will accept and come back or I will, no, 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 yes. And there's where sometimes people, oh, I got born again. No, 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 no. You just recommitted, rededicated, right? It, it kind of is the analogy of the feet washing. You remember I, I shared this with you a few weeks ago when we had the guys up here acting it out. And, and the feet washing is a wonderful picture of, of just recommitting your life to Christ. You remember when Peter said, hey, Lord, you're not going to wash me. And the Lord said, well, if I don't wash you, then you're not mine. Peter said, well, not my feet only, but my head all over. Wash me all over. Remember Jesus said, you don't need to be washed all over. Just feet are dirty. You remember that? That's some tremendous symbolic pictures of a Christian life. How we don't need to get saved again, but our feet got dirty and a little bit of sin, and we need to, recon- need, need to confess and repent of that and, and ask God to forgive us and, and, and rededicate, recommit our life to Christ. Do you, see the, do you see the picture there? Okay? So, however, in our camp, we have some that are way out there, and man, they, some, sometimes I, I know, listen, I know. <laughs> I've been running in this camp quite a while, and I know a lot of our, our Armenian brothers lay their head on their pillow every night wondering if they're even saved and if they'll get to go to heaven, and they pray a prayer, scared to death. If they die in their sleep, they may miss heaven, so they've got to do everything. No. Hello? I'm not getting there on my own works of righteousness. I'm getting there because I have trusted in Jesus Christ, and I keep my faith in him. He'll get me there. If I reject him, then mm, I don't know that I want to be that person. Right? Are you with me? Okay. Why should we contend for the faith? Jude, he exhorted us, gave us command that we contend for the faith. Why should we? Because the apostles did. Because Paul did. He gave us the example. Jude commanded us. I gave you all scripture for that. The second reason why we should contend for the faith, the reason why we should contend is because apostasy does exist. As a matter of fact, and I'm going to share with you later as we go through this teaching, through the Word of God, there are some individuals that are named that departed from the faith and went back, okay? So anyhow, that, that's the reason we should contend. Now, I'm not sure I'm going to have enough time to get into this second one. Maybe I will. Let me just try to just start there. i got about five minutes, and I want to be a good steward of my time here, okay? So I'm going to give it to you as much as I can Load your wagon as full as I can here tonight and let you take it home and digest a little bit. The reason, number two, the reaction. What's the reaction to contending for the faith? Do you think we'll get a rise out of some folks? <laughs> Are you with me? Come on, guys, think about this. We just lost our slides. You think, you think we'll get a reaction? When we contend for the faith, do you think we'll get a reaction out of some people? Oh, yeah. Honey, you're going to get some reactions. I promise you, you will get some reactions. So, but as we, as we study, we're back in, in Jude 3 again. As we study Jude, you're going to see his defense all laid out. As a matter of fact, there's going to be some reactions that we're going to see. But you're going to see that, that Jude is going to, several things. I jotted these down in my notes here. He's going to describe, describe those who have, who have left the faith. He's going to remind us of judgment. He's going to show us how to treat the devil. He will talk about the rebellion of God's people. He will warn of the false prophets in the church. 
He will show us how to live in these last days of the church age. He will show us how we should live. I just said all that to say this. This is going to be a fun ride. Buckle up. Put your seatbelt on. Because it may get some reactions out of some people. Right? (laughs) Are you okay with that? I mean, there's some good stuff here. I mean, he really just lays it on the line, Jude does. And as a matter of fact, you, you remember the first, the, first, the first Wednesday night I shared with you out of Jude and all I did was just read the, read the letter to you? you? You remember how powerful that was? I don't know if you remember that or not, but man, you just, I just read it. And how convicting, you remember how convicting it was? Man, you remember how exposing it was? We start digging into that. We start really, I, I like to use this phrase, we start leaning into that a little bit harder. Woo! <laughs> it's going gonna, it's gonna to demand a reaction, right? The reason we should contend, I've already stated. What's some of the reactions? Well, here's three that I believe you'll find in Scripture. I believe you'll find it in the world today. I believe you'll find it in the church today. You'll have those that will examine and hopefully and prayerfully embrace the gospel. I mean, as you really start contending for the faith and, and you start exposing some things, and, and you really start doing that. Now remember, you do it all in love. You don't do it with a judgmental, arrogant, pharisaical type spirit about you, right? We do it out of love, out of Christian love and for, our, for one another. And hopefully the reaction will be, as we start contending for the faith, from those that, that may be going down the road of apostasy or, or, or not, as, not as warm or, or hasn't leaned in to the Word like they once did, maybe they're withdrawing some, Hopefully there will be an examination on their part. Paul tells us in Corinthians that we are to, to do what? To examine ourselves. You know, we live in this day and age where people don't want to examine themselves. Don't look at me. Don't tell me what's wrong with me. Right? Repentance? You want me to repent? Conviction? All those are biblical words. But hopefully as we, as we start contending for the faith... Hopefully it leads all of us to examine our own life and our own walk with the Lord. And then the goal is, secondly, that we will embrace the Scripture, that we will embrace the Word of God. Are you tracking with me? That we'll, oh God, sorry, forgive me. Man, I saw I drifted there. God, please forgive me. First John 1, by the way, First John 1, 9. I remember my, my theology professor telling us, preacher boys, do not use this verse of Scripture to lead someone to Jesus. This verse is not for them. 1 John 1, 9 is not for the unbeliever. 1 John 1, 9 is for the Christian, right? If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. That's for the believer, that verse is, Right? So we can get back in good grace and good faith. And hopefully we examine our lives and examine ourselves. And it leads us to embrace the gospel, to embrace the Lord Jesus Christ. But unfortunately, the last word I have there, evacuate. Man, there's some folks that just will not sit under the true preaching of the whole counsel of the word of God. And there will be an evacuation Matter of fact, I pinned in my notes, it has been said that good doctrinal preaching will separate 
things quickly. Right? As you really start contending for the faith, as you lean into the scriptures, as you drill down, as you start unpacking the word of God and preaching the whole counsel of God, there will be some that say, "Mm -mm, this, this camp's not for me. There will be an evacuation. But hopefully our goal is not an evacuation, right? Our goal is what? Embrace the scripture. Examine ourselves. Examine our heart. Embrace the word of God. And hopefully we can keep the evacuation at a, at a minimal. Oh, I've got to stop right there. I want to give you the results. I'll, I'll pick that up next week. But there's some reasons. There's the reaction. I want to give you the results of contending for the faith. But I'll give you that next week, okay? Well, thank you for joining us for this message from the Word of God. We know that the truth you have just heard will change your life if you believe it and intentionally apply it. If you need someone to pray with or maybe you just want someone to talk to, please call us at 618-622-9360. That's 618-622-9360. Or you can email us at victory at victorychurchonline.net. If you're interested in obtaining more teaching materials, or if you'd like to partner with us in this ministry, please contact us. You can email or call, or send a request to 715 Lake Point Center, Suite 109, O'Fallon, Illinois, 62269. Come and check us out on the web at www.victorychurchonline.net. And again, we thank you and are glad you could join us.